0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, I'm Don Marsh. The national organization Urban Strategies, Inc. is headquartered in St. Louis, but has a presence in 16 cities across the country. The mission of this nonprofit is to help solve the myriad problems faced by the urban poor. One of the major issues is affordable housing, but the organization is also concerned about economic inequity, education, health issues, and others. Joining me in studio is Esther Shin, the president of Urban Strategies. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming in. You're calling affordable housing in St. Louis, a crisis. How so?
1: It's a national challenge, actually. You look at the affordable housing challenge, there is a shortage of 7.2 million units of housing across the country. And on average, there are 3.5 million individuals that are facing homelessness every year. And about a third of those are children. And that's not unique to St. Louis as well. I mean, when you look at the income um, the average income and the average wages and the minimum wage. The National Low Income Housing Coalition came out with a study last year that showed that in St. Louis, you would have to work 81 hours a week mm-hmm. at a minimum wage to earn a two-bedroom, uh, enough to pay for a two-bedroom apartment um, that's of quality. And-
0: there's an irony here because I think we've got 12,000 vacant houses in the city of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So what can be done about this problem?
1: I think it's a yes and solution. There are multiple layers to the solution. I think that oftentimes in community development, we are forced to choose between either revitalizing struggling communities or pushing residents to neighborhoods of opportunity. And I think that we have to do both. Mm -hmm. So You know, there is clearly a need for additional hard units, but then also supporting residents to be able to access communities where there are already a lot of opportunities, Mm -hmm. great schools. You know, there are a number of families, you know, thousands of families in St. Louis that are using housing choice vouchers. They're often limited to those communities because landlords are not renting to them in these neighborhoods of opportunity. So I think that we need to look at the solution really broadly.
0: So what can urban strategies do about this?
1: So a number of things, you know, I think f- most significantly the work that we do is supporting residents and skill building, it, financial empowerment so that they can actually afford to live in a safe, quality, affordable housing. I think that, you know, we need to advocate to ensure that families aren't struggling with the benefits cliff. Oftentimes our families have to make a tough decision about working or losing their housing benefit.
0: You 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 mentioned that and I've come across uh, the the word disincentive in connection mm-hmm. with what's going on here. A disincentive to work. Uh, and that's associated with what we're talking about. How mm-hmm. so?
1: So for example, if uh, you know San Francisco is a great example uh, with numbers that I can rattle off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So our residents in San Francisco when we started out working there were making an average of $12,500 a year. Mm-hmm where the area median income is over 70000 So their housing benefit is on average worth about $25,000. So when you take that and add it to their average income, what they're pulling in now, they're actually making more than what they would with minimum wage. So with that, families are having to make that tough decision. Do I work or do I lose my housing benefit and end up homeless? And the simple solution that most people might come think is, well, why aren't they working? You know, and, and earning wages, and you know, people should be working so that they can pay their rent. The reality of it is, is if the skills and the education background that you have will only allow you at this time to earn a minimum wage, and the, those jobs just aren't out there to pay you a living wage, that housing benefit is is so too valuable to lose.
0: And even then there's not much money in the pot to do anything with.
1: Exactly. So yeah. families are now being housing burdened and housing burden is where you're spending over fifty percent of your household income on housing. And we're seeing more and more families having that are facing being housing burdened.
0: And this leads to so many other things. It leads to, we had a program yesterday on food insecurity and hunger. There are health issues that are involved when you have limited income like that. And that's all part of your purview, isn't it, In, in terms of concerns?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, when the benefits formula was first calculated, it was assumed that families would, out of their paychecks, most immediately pay for food. The reality of it is, is if you don't have shelter, food might come, be a secondary issue to housing. And so we're very concerned with that, and we're concerned with making certain that families have access to all of their needs, whether it be economic or social, so that their families can thrive.
0: You know, you think of how many problems could be solved if we could eliminate poverty. Right. You just go right down the list and just about all the issues and crises that we face. Absolutely. The, uh, there's a lot of grant money that's been uh, floating around, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, and you've been involved in, in some of that. How is that money? Where is it coming from, and how is it being used?
1: Multiple places. So mm-hmm. the projects that Urban Strategies were involved with. Choice Neighborhoods, that is a program out of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. It's a comprehensive program that's looking at people, so all the human capital needs, whether it be economic mobility, financial empowerment, physical mental health. And then there's the housing component, um, which is the bricks and sticks. And then the third is neighborhood, which – encompasses all the things that would uh, cause you or I to choose a neighborhood and, and where we choose to live. So those are schools, that's green space, that's access to fresh produce. Mm-hmm. And that is being funded by HUD.
0: Are you confident that uh, the dollars from the federal government w- will continue? I mean, there are some problems at the, the national level in, in terms of uh, distribution of, of dollars.
1: Yes, the, the government shutdown definitely impacted our families. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, kind of scary for a, 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 about a month there. I think you know it, it'll be interesting to see what this con- this new Congress does you know with the new diversity that's in office what we've seen on the housing side although from the feds and HUD is we, we've not seen a significant cutback um, I, I wouldn't say there could always be more growth but at least on the housing side we've not seen significant uh, shrinkages. Uh, which is hugely beneficial.
0: Vis-à-vis your relationship with HUD, I mean, I have to look at the uh, of the way that that is being run right now. I think we still have a neurosurgeon in charge. Of that, yes. <laughs> in charge of that office. Um, what about concerns or optimism or lack of it you might have about the, this continuing to function the way it's that's helpful to you?
1: Sure. What well, I'm, I'm, and we are grateful for are the. The federal employees, the longtime long term federal employees that have been working there through many administrations and know the ins and outs of community transformation. Those are the individuals that we have really relied on to get the work done. These are our grants officers, these are you know, some of the sort of middle management staff that have really helped us us push local agenda forward.
0: Hmm. How does St. Louis stack up uh, compared to the other cities that uh, Urban Strategies is involved with?
1: So it's really different. Each community is very different, but they all struggle with some of the th- same things around economic mobility. You know, All of our parents, no matter uh, whether it be New Orleans or San Francisco or St. Louis, all of our parents really want quality education for their children. They want to go to work. Um, even mm. even when work is a disin- disincentive, it's because of the choice, but they want to go to work. So many of our neighborhoods are struggling with similar things. That, but the assets here in St. Louis is that there's high collaboration. We have incredible partners that are at the table. That includes both on the public and the private side that have really supported and helped us leverage resources to get on-the-ground families.
0: You know, I think there's something of an inferiority complex here in St. Louis. We tend to think that we're not doing as well as others. But I guess what you're saying is that we're doing OK as well as we, we can be.
1: Absolutely. I, I think St. Louis d- uh, definitely has more assets. And I think that national, national folks, realize and local folks. I think there are a a great wealth of assets here, whether it be in the anchor institutions, the collaboration. I mean, that's not to say that we don't have work that needs to be done, but I think that there are some really strong bones here.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to keep it in the city for just a moment. And uh, I'm going to bring in Max, who's calling from Veronica Park, uh, and uh, we'll get him into the conversation, and I'll invite others as well if you'd like to be a part of it. Three eight two eight two five five is the number. That's three eight two talk. Send us an email at talk at sdlpublicradio.org, dot org, or uh, send us a tweet at SDL on air. So Max, come on in. Uh, you're part of the conversation.
2: Yeah. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. At this point. Okay. Um, the the crisis, the, the economic crisis of ten years ago, really hurt this town. I mean, we always think about uh, the middle class and the upper middle class and the the stereotypes of people that had several houses for investments, et cetera, et cetera. But all I know is, I look around my neighborhood and I saw people who lived in houses for over twenty, twenty-five years, all of a sudden gone. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kicking dead horses here and crying over spilt milk. But that is a realization that in in my, it, it, I'm frustrated that. My city politicians were not angry enough about that. Bank of America was involved in some of them crimes. Uh, And another problem is we've got vacant houses in the city. Some of them are far gone. They cannot be repaired.
0: Max, I think we have the point, um, and we've got to get uh, a response to some of that. You've given us a lot to chew on, but thanks for the call. What do you think? He makes some points.
1: So you know this th- these challenges did not happen overnight hmm. right and they're not going to be cured overnight as well it's going to take the will of elected officials it's going to take the will of the civic community the corporate community this is the affordable housing crisis <clears throat> you know came about as a result of a number of policy issues and challenges we're going to have to collectively work together to address this. I mean, there are multiple <clears throat> players uh, that need to be involved.
0: What do you make of this dollar house program that uh, is now taking place in the city? For a buck, you can buy a house. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Except.
1: <laughs> so, you know, on, on the surface, I think that, you know, that seems like an easy solution mm. to um, addressing vacant Housing issues, you know, vac- vacant land or property that's sitting there dilapidated is it, it causes more of a problem. Uh, I would be concerned that the individuals that are buying the properties are ensuring are that they are built quality, that they are ensuring that they stay affordable, uh, so that individuals aren't getting priced out of their communities. Uh, so the and that these individuals that are buying are also working very closely with the communities to see and find out what their vision is for some of these vacant properties. Mm -hmm. So again, it's got to be very community-oriented.
0: And what I should point out for folks who aren't familiar with the program, you can buy the house for a dollar, but you have to guarantee that you're going to rehab it and get it in shape. But then- you want to sell it to somebody, and the, the people who need the housing most have an issue with credit. In order to buy a house, you have to have a decent credit rating. How do you, how do you get them a credit solvent, if you will?
1: There are some great partners here in St. Louis that provide that kind of support. On the near north side, we're working with Prosperity Connection and the Excel Center, who are doing a lot around building the financial capacity of our families. This is through one-on-one financial mentoring. This is through the building of assets, whether it be you know, building your financial credit history, making certain that you have access to assets, whether it be through earn income tax credit. So there are a number of really great local partners that are working with families on this very issue.
0: But if you're making minimum wage, mm-hmm. and what does that turn out to be fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars a year, can you have any kind of a a credit rating that would enable you to to make that kind of a purchase with that kind of an income?
1: No. Um, it, it would be really challenging on a minimum wage to be able to purchase a home in St. Louis mm-hmm. or in anywhere. Mm-hmm. But to improve an individual household's credit, that actual, that's in a lot of ways cash in hand. I mean, this could influence things like your ability to... to uh, get l- lower premiums on your car insurance, your ability to get a cell phone. So even though you might not be ready to purchase a home today, mm-hmm. and we would have to work with you to increase your household income, improving the cr- your household credit is never a bad idea.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't quite understand how you can work with people to increase their household income.
1: So, the, so some individuals are underemployed right? Mm-hmm. So skill building. There are a number of okay. job training partners out there that we could, where we could build skills. There are also, you know, underemployed individuals who, you know, may be looking for a different kind of career that's going to pay more. And so we work very closely with individuals to identify that household's economic goals and oftentimes, and usually it involves employment. I'm
0: going to have to take a break. We have a number of people who have called in and want to get on the air. We'll bring them in, but let's take that break first so we won't be interrupted. We're talking with Esther Shin, who is the president of Urban Strategies, Inc. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with Esther Shin. Let's go right to the phones. A number of people want to talk to you, Esther. So let's let them have at you. We'll begin with Philip calling from St. Louis City. Go ahead, Philip. You're on the air. Good
3: afternoon, Don. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say to your guests is I never hear these groups that are, you know that are for affordable housing. I never hear them talk about building smaller housing. I mean, really small housing. We have a lot of talk today about the building the tiny house movement. And I think if you want to build affordable housing, you should go to that room. And, uh, you know, because I, I don't want taxpayers paying for other people's housing. So that's people that, that are on public assistance. Uh, let them stay in really tiny houses or build tiny houses for them. And if they want bigger housing, let them save up and then go to, buy the house that they want. But until then, I think tiny, perhaps modular houses are uh, you know are the way to go, and they can expand them. Add another uh, unit, uh, something like that, just like you would add an addition onto your house.
0: Philip, you have the idea. Thanks for the call. Go small, Esther.
1: So I think that's a fascinating idea that many cities are exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say to Philip that that you know, this whole perception of you know this public assistance going to families that aren't working that's a misconception. Six over sixty percent of our families work. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that they're struggling. right? And then many of the remaining 40 percent are individuals that are elderly, that have uh, you know, mental health issues, developmental issues that are making it really hard for them to work full time. So the reality of it is, is the majority of the families that are living in, in assisted housing are working.
0: Where did this perception come from, I wonder, that uh, poor people don't want to work?
1: So I think it's it's one that has been around for decades. I think that there was an intentional movement to put a face to welfare and that this perception that the welfare mom exists, it's an unemployed woman with multiple children and not taking care of them. The reality of it is is that households are shrinking across the board and that includes family families that are struggling and like I said 60% of our families are working so we're talking about the working poor at this point
0: you know I think back to Ronald Reagan and the welfare Queen comments that he made I think that's exactly what you're talking about isn't it okay back to the phones Uh, Ron is joining us from Ferguson Ron thanks for waiting you're on the air
4: hey I just wanted to put a couple public policy comments Uh, as a as a landlord And a person who started out right out of college developing a house that I got from Hood, it set me on a good path. So my thing is that, number one, you need home training for these low-income people to actually be able to maintain the house once they get it. Uh, We need to teach them how to renovate their own house. You can almost cut the cost by 50% if they can do most of the work themselves. It'll probably take them less than a year to uh, do a home. And they will be set for life. And then we must get young people in careers while they're in high school and middle school. There's a shortage of tradespeople. There's a shortage of programmers. There's a shortage of machine operators, nurses, police, e- EMTs, mechanics, and you can go on. These jobs are going unfilled, and they pay you know anywhere from twenty to forty dollars an hour. So we should be training people uh, at a young age so they can so they'll be able to afford their own uh, housing.
0: Ron, thank you for the call. That fits right in with your job skills uh, platform, doesn't it?
4: Absolutely. I would agree Mm -hmm. with
1: everything um, that was just stated. Purchasing a home is not for everyone, and there are a lot of steps to be able to purchase a home, not just being able to have the cash in hand, being able to support the cost for repairs, being able to keep up with a the home. There's a lot of maintenance. As a homeowner myself, I it's sometimes I, I wonder if I want to stay a homeowner, given all of the, the things that could put, disastrous things that could potentially happen as being a homeowner. So again, there are multiple organizations in St. Louis that are supporting residents and, and getting this kind of training. And then to the second point about young people and careers, absolutely in addressing these issues, whether it be affordable housing or getting more income into the home, there are multiple lever- levels, right? There are the individuals that you know maybe didn't graduate, we have to help them on a path that gets some income into the home. When we talk about young people the ages of the youth opportunity age, you know, 18 to 24 and even slightly younger preparing them for the world of work or for preparing them for post secondary education. I think there there are multiple levels here and you know, this is when, when we talk about young people and careers, this is where we really need the support of the business community in terms of mentoring and helping us prepare these young people for these open positions.
0: Where are we in, in relation to uh, trade schools and vocational training in our schools? It used to to be you'd go to a high school and you, have, you could take a vocational training course. I don't think they're out there anymore.
1: Yes, it's, it's, we're definitely seeing a shrinkage in those kinds of programs. Uh, but there are, again, great programs here in St. Louis when mm. you look at places like Rankin that are providing that kind of training, providing that kind of expertise to young adults and adults that are interested in that field of work.
0: Yeah in your uh, job skills training what what exactly do do you do and how do you do that
1: so we don't actually do the jobs training uh-huh. we partner with so okay. we are responsible for finding out what existing skills are in the community. What are the wishes and desires? What are the career goals? And then looking to a city's industry, where are those industries mm. that are hiring today? And then how do we get our residents connected to those job training partners that are providing those kinds of skills?
0: And what kinds of skills do you find here in St. Louis that, as you study it,
1: the you know the big industries right now are health. Right, mm. this is we've got some some amazing health institutions here so obviously in health and so then there are entry points but then how do we move fam- residents from entry points and move keep moving them up within those health institutions so you know that's a really big one and then there are is construction um, but that's very seasonal and that's sensitive um, around you know union challenges uh, but construction is another big field where you know residents are very interested because it it pays
0: well how do you find the people who uh, need to take advantage of these services or do they find you
1: both Uh you know we do we do outreach Mm -hmm. we do an extensive amount of outreach and people also find us And, and and what we have found is that just because um, what we have to dig and we have to be really creative, because the reality of it is, is that we might throw a job fair and a handful of people show up. The job fair might not be the solution. So what is the next potential solution? Right. Um, so outreach is extensive. It has to be creative and it doesn't end with just one activity or idea.
0: We have another caller. Let's bring James from St. Louis into the conversation. James, thanks for your patience. You're on the air.
5: Yeah, uh, good afternoon, Don and Esther, and thank you for forming a program. Um, I'm uh, representing a company, Clean Energy Design, that's working in North City, and we work um, in renewable energy and green infrastructure and do jobs, some jobs training. Um, So uh, I concur with the previous caller in the sense of the construction trades going wanting and life skills uh, necessary to fill those trades I think are the, is the first and foremost step there which I'm sure Esther's fully aware of but my question is with the current uh, activity and political activity in the state house and nationally uh, we have uh, obviously a data-driven crisis for unaffordable housing right now and uh, the talk all the talks that I hear out of our uh, state state uh, Congress is uh, cutting things like affordable tax credits so that were able to try to ameliorate the problem versus uh, making it worse. And I wanted to know what Esther's view on uh, reaching across the aisle and, and getting bipartisan uh, agreement that there actually a problem exists uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to solve and uh, moving forward.
1: So traditionally, housing has been very much a bipartisan issue. I think that on both sides Mm -hmm. of the aisle, most people can agree shelter is a critical, if not the most basic need. So I think we, we start there and then go to the data. I think that people would be surprised when you look at when you look across the state, that affordable housing is a challenge. It is not only a challenge in St. Louis City. It is not only a challenge in St. Louis County. There are also rural communities that are facing affordable housing challenges as well. And that this crisis needs to be something that's unifying, That's that doesn't pit city against county, doesn't pit urban versus rural. I think it's, you know, we'll, if I was to put the data forth in front of, folks across both sides of the aisle, I think they would be really surprised at the, the expanse of the challenge.
0: How uh, We only have about a minute left, but how, how far is your reach? I mean, uh, I know you're in 16 states, but mm-hmm. uh, there are people listening from the Metro East, for instance, who have the same kinds of issues that we're talking about in the city of St. Louis.
1: Absolutely. You know, we just received a Choice Neighborhoods planning grant in partnership with the East St. Louis Housing Authority to look at Samuel Gompers and the surrounding community. They're facing similar challenges um, around housing, around access to real economic opportunity. And so we're seeing that as a real opportunity to hopefully address one community's housing challenges.
0: I'm sure you have a website where people can get more information about Urban Strategies, Inc. and what you do and how Absolutely. to contact you. We'll put a link to your website on our website at uh, stlpublicradio.org. Thank you so
1: much.
0: Esther Shin, I want to thank you uh, so much for being with us uh, to St. Louis on the Air and uh, keep up the good work. Obviously, there's a need and as Henry Kaiser said, said uh, find a need and fill it. And that's what he did and that's what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much.